Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you that you are an awesome Godfather. And we thank you that you are here, Father, in our midst. That you dwell amongst us, Father, and you care for us, you love us, and you are here to set us free, Father, and to heal us. Father, do a mighty work in our hearts here today. Help us to have an understanding, Father, of who you are and the way your kingdom operates. Father, we thank you. We praise you. We give you this time, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I suppose that's the whole trick of uh, understanding God is understanding how he works. And for so many of us, we don't quite understand some of the basics of the kingdom of God. We trip up, we stumble. We, we act as if we're almost walking through the dark, you know, in, in, in a dark room and saying, this Christianity, it's all this faith stuff, and, and, and I feel betrayed by God because I can never seem to figure it out. Well, uh, the truth is, is that Jesus, through the Gospel of Luke, the book of Acts, through all of the Gospels and all of the Bible, is revealing to us the way the kingdom of God operates. It's a completely de a different set of principles that we need to start thinking. And so many times we think in the wrong set of principles. Jesus is here to reprogram our brain, if you would. And so uh, a lot of people just don't understand. They don't get what Jesus is trying to do and what the devil is trying to do. Uh, last week we saw Jesus. He was baptized <clears throat> a couple weeks ago for us. And then he was thrown into the midst of, of the wilderness and he was tempted by the devil. And the devil specifically was trying to get him to, to get off course, to, to go to a different agenda. He was trying to get him to turn the, the piece of, uh, uh, to rock into a piece of bread. It says, use your power, Jesus, to satisfy yourself. Jump off the top of the, the, the temple and make a big show and how you're not going to touch the ground so everybody will worship you. He says, I'll give you the whole world, Jesus, if you bow down to worship me. Get off course, get on to a different agenda. And, and we saw how Satan, the big D, was sitting down there trying to destroy the plan of Jesus. And now, if you would... We, we take it to another level. We're going to take it where, where so many people miss the things of Jesus, and now it's going to go into a deeper mindset because people reject Jesus. You and I have the same tendency. Last week we left off in, that, in those verses of 28. Let's just pick up. And it says, So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. So Jesus went in and he told the people in the synagogue, that he was there to set them free. And they blew a gasket over that. And he says, and, and they rose up and they thrust him out of the city. And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built. That they might throw him down over the cliff. And then passing through their midst of them, he went his way. So you can see that there's a group of people that didn't get it. They didn't understand the kingdom of God. They thought their Messiah should be a certain way. They rejected Jesus and threw him under the bus. I love that terminology. I think that's a, something for the last year. I don't know where it came up with, but it's what a picture. We'll just take him, throw him underneath the bus. He's dead. Get rid of him. They're not thinking right. They're not getting it. And here they are. They're, these are the people that are sitting in the synagogue, religious people, and they're not getting it. 
And so Jesus does the disappearing trick. They all want to come up and rush at him. And he's saying, you ain't killing me now. And I don't know what happened as the whole people grab him. They drag him up to this hill. He must have been tangible at that point. Then he did the old thing of, bam, I'm gone. And, and he says, you're not going to get the best of me. He still has a purpose. He still has a plan. Jesus will die on the cross, but Jesus picks the time and the place. Jesus is in control. And here's a mad mob, though, wanting to kill him, and he gets rid of it. And, and so you're seeing that if, 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 if you try and push God, and that's what we were talking about last week, then God disappears. God's gone. You can't go up to God and say, this is what I'm going to force upon you. The kingdom of God is not something you're going to go up and, and grab hold of and push to make it work your way. Um, there's a, a, a little golf club that they came out with for training. I don't have one, but I've seen guys at the driving range. And they've got this weird golf club. It kind of comes in three different pieces. And if you take the golf club and it's supposed to teach you how to swing just right, this may not be perfect, you know, but, but if you come all the way through, the golf club kind of stays in the right form. But it's got these weird joints on it so that if you throw it wrong and you got the wrong angle on it and you're coming down too hard, too muscular, you, the golf club just, you know, breaks apart uh, on you and it won't come through and hit the ball. and You can't hit the ball with it. And, and, it, and it's kind of the same way. When, when, you, when you force something, you're doing something wrong, the Lord disappears out of your life. It's not going to work. It's not going to function. You have to use it appropriately. You have to understand the principles of the kingdom of heaven in order for it to come through in your life. And Jesus disappears on you. What, what a sad scene to have Jesus. I know Pastor Dave's a great preacher, but I ain't nothing compared to Jesus. And if, if, if we could just imagine to have Jesus here... It, doing wonderful things in front of us, and, then, and to still reject him is mind-boggling. And, and people rejected Jesus when they had him right in front of them. They couldn't accept the things that he was saying. And so we're forced then to, to, to understand these parameters. So Jesus now, he's got to move to a different town. And we come into the text that we're going to deal with today in verse 31. He says, And he went down to Capernaum, uh, a city of Galilee, off the Sea of Galilee, and was teaching them on the Sabbaths. Their Sabbath was on Saturday. Uh, that was their day of rest. That's when they all went to their little synagogue. Their little a synagogue is like a type of church. And he goes in again, and he's teaching. He's explaining things. And notice it says in verse 32 that they were astonished at his teaching. Wow! These people were saying, this guy is awesome. And yet it says, why? It says, for his word was with authority. That's important for us to understand that when people teach, and you hear any pastor, teacher, they're, they're doing their best to convey ideas. And what I try to do is tell you what the Bible says. And I like it. We've been going through Ezekiel on Wednesday nights, and it's a downright ugly book. There's a lot of ugly things that are said there. And I go, hey, look, I didn't write this stuff, man. I'm just reading it. <laughs> and I like to be able to have that out to say, you know, this, is, this isn't my words. These are Jesus' words. These are Ezekiel words. And, and don't ever listen to, to me or my words. Listen to God's word. That's, uh, any pastor worth his weight in salt would always direct you to Jesus' words, the, what the Bible says. 
And so when Jesus, though, when he comes up and he's teaching, he's teaching with authority. Jesus knows what's going on. He's not speculating. He's not guessing. He's not quoting another source, per se. He's saying, look, this is the way it is. And people are like, oh, I never heard anybody teach like that. He's saying, this is the way it is. See, Jesus, Jesus had the ability as the Son of God to be with God through the creation of the world, to come down and to know what was there, to know, hey, I know a lot more than what the average man does. And they're like, wow, I've, I've never heard anybody put things in such terminology. Jesus understood the kingdom principles. He understood the things that the kingdom of God was about. And Jesus was there now as he's speaking, he's telling you. And, and, and there's a lot to the word authority. Could mean that he's bossy, you know. He spoke with authority. He's the boss. But it's a depth of knowledge. We see that Jesus was somebody, as we're going to get into the passage, he's somebody who's clairvoyant. How's that? That's usually a, a, a negative term used for witches and mediums and every occultic thing. And to be clairvoyant is a French word to mean clear seeing. And, and, and he can see into the spiritual realm. And Jesus is like, look, I'm not, I'm not blind here. I see things that you don't. And I'm telling you the way things are. And if you understand these things, it will help you and change you. And Jesus has that ability to see clearly. And, and he's, he's going to come into this scene. Watch what happens here. Verse 33. He says, Now in the synagogue, there was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. How'd you like that sitting amongst you? Who knows who the guy is next to you, right? Probably sat there for a long time and nobody ever noticed him. But Jesus is stepping on this guy's toes. So Jesus is in the synagogue. There was a man who had a spirit of an unclean demon. And he, the demon, cried out with a loud voice saying, Let us alone! What have we to do with you, Jesus of Nazareth? Did you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. And so it's interesting that as Jesus walks into this, you see something spiritual start to happen, something demonic. And in, the, and in this realm and in this world, if you would, I find it very interesting. The first thing this, demo, uh, this demon wants is to be left alone. Uh, going back to our premise as we started the book of Luke, we said that the world was a cold, dark place, like the beginning of the creation of Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, you know, God created the heavens and the earth, and the world was formless and void. It was empty. And then you see the Spirit of God hovering over the planet and saying, I'm going to create, I'm going to do something new. And we said that's the same thing as Jesus when he's coming onto the scene he, he comes into a, 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 a synagogue that is dead and lifeless. We saw Zacchaeus, a priest, and when he sees an angel, he flips out. He's like, what's that? I didn't understand any of these things. And, and all of a sudden, in the spiritual realm, if you would, uh, the, the, the demonic world desires to be below the radar. It desires to be unnoticed. It wants to keep the status quo. Let's just keep everything dead and your life miserable and let's not rock the boat. And so the demon comes in and sees Jesus and it says, Hey, leave me, just get out of here. Hey, we got everything set up just the way we like it here. We don't need you, Jesus, to rock the boat. What are you trying to do, hurt me? 
And sometimes I think the application is, is that when we do want to do something good as believers, and when we enter into the spiritual realm and start to deal with spiritual things, you're going to step on some toes. Uh, don't ever paint the picture of Christianity as just, we're going to make everyone happy. Uh, I'm sorry when, when, when some sto toes get stepped on and people start to squeal like a stuck pig, sometimes you say, I know I'm hitting the right nerve. And it should encourage us when you see and experience something demonic. What's wrong with me, Pastor? I had a, 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 you know, a, a vision. I'm fighting demons. I feel like well, I must be doing something wrong. Well, no, maybe you're doing something right. So if you would, I, 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 I think it's interesting here that, that as they wanted to have a sense of fair play, to have a status quo, you also have to understand that as Jesus is coming into the world to steal and to rob us, you and I, out of a wicked world, you're going to see clearly, though, that, that as he understands, Jesus understands what he's doing, Jesus knows what's going on, and so understand the scenario. Jesus walks into the synagogue, demon starts screaming bloody murder. Demon knows exactly what's happening. Jesus knows exactly what's happening. The guy who's possessed or whatever he is, he's clueless. And on top of that, everyone else in the synagogue is clueless. And so you keep that in the back of your mind. It, all these people were confused, except for people, the, the demonic, the demon knows what's going on. Jesus knows he's clairvoyant. He's understanding these things. He sees clearly this realm of the Spirit. He says, but Jesus rebuked him. And that's the biblical term for shut up. That's what you do. When you rebuke somebody, you get in their face. You read them the riot act. I like that. But Jesus rebuked him. Him, the who, is the demon. And he's saying, be quiet and come out of him. And when the demon had thrown him, who, the man, in their midst, it, the demon, came out of him and did not hurt him, the man. The man was left untouched. Then they were all amazed and spoke among themselves, saying, What a word this is! For with authority and power he commands the unclean spirits, and they come out. And the report uh, about him went out into every place in the surrounding region. So, you know, this is interesting. If you look at this, we've got to remember that this is the book of Luke. Luke is a doctor. And I'm sure as a doctor and a doctor's perspective, he's now having his eyes wide open as he's watching, well, he was a disciple of Paul, the spiritual realm start to unfold and to see people healed and to see people set free. He's going, this isn't according to my medicines. This isn't according to anything that I could know. This is something spiritual happening. And I'm sure Luke dissects this a little bit closer to what exactly is going on. And so Luke is, is explaining some things, and I want to look at this. First off, when Jesus is there, he commands the demon. He doesn't ask the demon. He doesn't say, pretty please, with sugar on top. He says, hey, get out of Dodge. And, and he is going to separate. That's what he wants to do. He wants to separate the man from the demon. Makes sense, doesn't it? He wants to be able to say, hey, wait a second, there's something demonic in this room. He makes a clear command. He doesn't try and placate it. He doesn't try and appease it. He turns around and he commands the demon to be gone. Wow. 
That's exactly what Jesus is doing. And then you're seeing that somebody is being set free from something that they didn't know that they had. That's amazing. So if you would, you've got to understand some things that I think Luke specifically tells us here because you see something that kind of catches uh, and goes over your head a little bit. You've got to see that the pronouns here, they go from the singular to the plural. Certain things are starting to happen in this scene where all of a sudden it's an us and a we. And, a, and, and yet if you read the text and read it over again, you're going to find out that what's happening, there's one demon... And there's one man in bondage here. It doesn't say, so you read this and you think, well, you know, we, we hear another story in the Bible where Jesus casts out the legion of demons. And that means there's thousands of demons inside this one guy. And I suppose some people, if they're going to be demon-possessed, could turn around and you know, have multiple demons dwelling inside of them. But please bear in mind, this is not the case in this situation. This is one man, one demon. And, 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 and as this man is being hampered and harassed, you find out that what happens is that the demon wants to intertwine itself around the man. And so when Jesus comes up and he says, hey, shut up, whatever. Hey, what do we have to do with you? If that be true, that it's one man, one demon, and all of a sudden the man's speaking, the demon is speaking, and it's saying, we. What, do, what are we? You come to destroy us. Well, who's the us? You ever heard that expression? What do you got, a mouse in your pocket, right? You go, you go is, is, there, is there somebody there with you? And what happens is the demon wants to sit down there and, and to have the, the we and the I all combined together. And the man's believing it. So I got to resurrect the old Taz today. Sorry. The devil! <laughs> Just for instructional purposes. But I'm sorry, but what happens is if you get the scene, if there's some poor guy and he's got the devil on his back, I don't know if I can do this, right? He's got the devil on his back, right? And he's sitting there and he's saying, hey, notice what the guy's saying. Through, through the guy, he's saying, what do we have to do with you? Now Jesus turns around and he's saying, there's not a we here. What the thing is, is he says, is you have a specific problem over here. This demonic thing, Jesus wants to come up and attack that demonic thing. He sees the man, and he wants to set the man free. But please, please bear in mind, what the devil wants is to be ignored, to be unnoticed, and he wants, he wants to be associated with the man. And he's saying, hey, what are we doing? And the guy could be saying, there ain't no we here. This is, you know, you have a problem with Jesus, right? And, and the, he said, no, it's, it's what do we have? Now, when Jesus comes in, he wants to separate the man from the demon. And to liberate him and to heal him, he is going to say, it's not two or one, but it's going to be two separate entities. And for the life of me, Christian, hear me before we go crazy with this. The world's gone insane where it conv it's convinced that it's always the two are intertwined. You talk to a brother, a sister in the Lord, and they are struggling with alcoholism. And they'll say, I'm an alcoholic. Sorry if I'm picking on anybody's sin here, but I, I'm, I'm just picking the standard ones here. 
It's great when you are drunk to come to the understanding that you have a problem. And when you stand up at an AA meeting, stand up in front of church, and you say, excuse me, I'm an alcoholic, that, that starts the ball rolling with a multitude of healing. That is the beginning of the process of healing. So please hear those words out of my mouth. The deception, though, comes into our life when we start to think that the we is just me, and that is me being an alcoholic. When we associate our identity as the problem with ourselves, we're going along the lines of what the devil wants us to do. There is a world of difference between saying, I am a person that struggles with the demon of alcohol. I am a person struggling with this problem, this vice, this issue, compared to saying this issue and I is now who I am in my personality. There's a huge difference to say, hey, I'm somebody that has a sexual orientation, and then you turn around and say that orientation is who I am. And I'm sorry, it's one of the hardest problems for us to unroot now is when people say, I'm sorry I was born that way. And the issue is to say, no, you're not. You're somebody who has given yourselves into something that should be separated from you. And you should say... Amen. I have problems with this issue. I struggle with drinking. I struggle with my sexuality. I struggle with, you name that vice, whatever tag is on this little demon that's been on your back. And, the, and that little demon wants you to say, no, that's who you are. Now listen, there's a problem when you make that association to say, this is who I am. Me and my demon make up me. And if I say that, well, I'm an alcoholic, well, guess what? I'm never going to be able to be healed I'm never going to be able to be healed because I'm thinking that in order for me to be healed of my alcoholism, listen to this, I have to heal this. And Jesus says you don't ever heal this. You separate yourself from it, you get rid of it, and you walk away from it. But if we're going to sit down there and go under that blindness, that until I can finally straighten this out, then I will never be made right. You will always wallow in your problems and you'll never be free from it. But the trick is, is to identify, identify within your life that there's, there's a problem. I'm struggling with something. And I'm sorry, any born-again Christian, any, any born-again Christian, never mind any man on the street, there is no sin in saying, this is what's bothering me. I have a vice. I have a problem. I have issues. This is the monkey on my back. This is the demon that I have. Now, we get into this whole scene where we're watching this start to happen. And, and, and watch how this unfolds into another issue. Let's keep this thing going. Please bear with me. It gets weirder. Now, he arose from the synagogue and he entered Simon's house. So Simon has got to be Peter. Peter's going to be the uh, first pope, if you would. Uh, and, uh, and he goes over to uh, Simon's house and he says, but Simon's wife's mother was sick. What? Simon was married? The pope? How can that be? But he's got a mother-in-law. And she's sick with a high fever. And they made request of him concerning her. Well, how's your mother doing? What happened? 
And then they're saying, can, can you come on over and take care of, can you take care of my mother-in-law? So he stood over her, listen to this, and he rebuked the fever. That's not a demon, is it? It's just the fever. And the fever left her, and immediately she arose and served them. So notice, please, it's very important that Jesus is going to use the same technique, even though it's not something spiritual. And sometimes we have a problem to say, well, you know what? I'm sick. I have a problem. I fell off my motorcycle. I broke my leg. And we say, well, you know, pray for me to get healed. But you almost say in the back of your mind, well, it's not really a spiritual issue. It's not like this is the demon of broken leggedness. You know what I mean? <laughs> and we have a tendency, listen to this, we have a tendency to turn around and say, ah, it just gets better with time. Just, just put in a cast and do what you're supposed to do. No, please understand that Jesus went to the fever and rebuked the fever. And he says, you fever be gone. So it's not just a little boogeyman. It's not just a monkey on their back. It's something that's there. And this is what Jesus is doing to liberate. And, and so many times as we look at this, now you, uh, this is where it gets a little weird. But sometimes if you go into like Pentecostal circles and sometimes we get a little Pentecostal around here. And sometimes we do have... You ever hear people lay hands and pray for people and say, and the demon of tobacco be gone, and the demon of this be gone, and the demon of that be gone. And, and I, I don't particularly like to do that. And I don't know, maybe you feel a little bit weird. But I suppose looking at the teaching for what the Word says, you can see that it's sometimes very applicable to do that. And to say, you know what? There's a demon. There's something demonic. Let's identify that as the problem first and foremost. And then we're going to sit down and come against that problem. And you're going to start to see that as you do that, you separate that person. You can start to sit down there and to liberate you. Now, what I don't like sometimes is the old, I think it was Flip Wilson who used to say, the devil made me do it. It's not me, Pastor Dave. It's that devil. I'm not the one that robbed the bank. It's the devil of bank robbery that came upon me. And it's not me. It's just a demon of tobacco. That's what it is. And you go, well, and I hate to hear that because what I don't like is that it becomes a blame game. It becomes taking a, a lack of responsibility in your life. And sometimes when you go chasing a demon, go chasing and say, it's the demon of this and the demon of that. And sooner or later, you've got to turn around and say, whoa, pal, what about you? You're the one walking out there taking, you know, the kid's milk money and going to the bar on Friday night. It ain't no demon. You made a choice to do that. Now, you're right. Uh, 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 and, I, and I would beg you to understand that, that there are things in our life that, that hamper us and we have to take responsibility. But please understand, put the two together, that if we don't understand who the enemy is, we're going to run around all day chasing and beating ourselves up and beating the wrong things up and we don't know what we're doing. So picture the scenario. A bomb blows up outside in the parking lot. And all of a sudden we go, oh, there's a bomb blowing up. We don't know where it came from, what happened. And we all go outside with our machine guns and we start shooting up in the air. And we said, well, obviously a plane dropped a bomb on us. Well, no. What if it was some guys over in the, across the street over there and they were throwing hand grenades? That's how the bomb blew up. Or what if it was a tank up on the hill and that's how it blew up? And if we don't understand, if we don't understand what the enemy is, where the enemy is, and how the enemy operates... 
we are going to be stupid to attack it. We're going to be shooting our rifles up in the air when all of a sudden the enemy is over there. And what we need to do as a Christian is we need to say, I know that, I know that there's something bothering me. Something's dragging me down. And now if I can identify that as the demon of alcohol, now all of a sudden, listen to this, I can finally start to make the right choice to know what I'm coming against. And I can start to be more effective in my prayer life, more effective in who I am and what I'm dealing with, and I can start to say, Lord, I got something bothering me, and I need to be set free. Lord, this demon's on my back. When I take that step and I say, no, the, the he and the me are we, and this is who I am, and this is my sexuality, my alcoholism, my depression, my, my depression or whatever else is on me, and I say, well, I can't really give that up because that's part of who I am. This is what made me. This is my personality. And, and, and th this thing's whispering in my ear all the time. No, it's we. It's we. What, what does Jesus want with us? Us. Us. And I'm sorry. People buy it hook, line, and sinker, man. They take that in, and they're struggling with something, and they just turn around and they're saying, there's no hope for me. No, there's no hope for me, Pastor. I, I'm a wicked person. God doesn't love me. I've tried to be free from my demon, but the demon's me. And hence, you are always going to be frustrated, angry, and weak in your Christianity. And what Jesus says is he comes in, he's clairvoyant, he sees the room, and he says, no, 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 no. I see what's bothering you. I see you. I see your heart that's crying out for help. And I see the monkey on your back. And that's what I'm going for. And what we need is a clear head and a clear mind to be strong in that time. That's freedom. Jesus wants to set us free. This thing is a ball and chain around us. We said that he came to set the captives free last week. And what he wants to do is he wants to break the chain of that demon on your back. And when he's coming in, he's not going to liberate you from you know, 30 years of serving at the state pen. That's not what setting the captives free is about. It's not like, you know, we get out of jail, a physical cell. What's holding us back is the lie of the devil that wants to keep us in bondage. And Jesus wants to liberate, to set us free so that we can be strong. Amen? So watch how this happens, please. He says, uh, he says when the sun was setting, all those who had any that were sick, and with various diseases they brought them to him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. All of them were healed. And demons also came out of many. So did all of them have demons? No. But many of them did. And all of a sudden, all of them were sick. But Jesus can cure a physical illness as much as a demonic illness. Get that through your head. And demons came out of the many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And he rebuked them. Shut up! And he did not allow them to speak, for they knew that he was the Christ. So uh, you got to listen to this, and, and sometimes you say, Well, Jesus, what's wrong with some demons telling everybody that you're the Son of God? Why are you telling them to shut up? Well, that answer has about six, uh, that question has about six different answers. But one of them, obviously, would be if, if Jesus went into the synagogue 
And all the demons rose up out of the congregation and said, Hail Jesus! Hail Jesus! Hail Jesus! Then everyone in the synagogue would say, Well, Jesus is king of the demons. And they accused him of that specifically to say, Well, you're Beelzebul, the lord of the flies or the lord of the demons, and, and that's why you can cast out a demon. And Jesus is like, I don't want nothing. I don't want glory from you. I don't want an answer from you. You are a foul, unclean spirit. Just shut up and get out of here. And sometimes we have to understand that. Like I said, you can't placate your demon. You can't win the demon over. We can't convert the demon. That's not the objective. The objective is to cast, to separate, and to set the man free. And Jesus is turning around and says, I don't want anything to do with this. I want to turn around and to set the man free. So he's going to reject their praises, if you would. And he says, now when it was day, here's Jesus he says, uh, he departed and he went to a deserted place. Jesus separating himself to God. And notice the crowd sought him and came to him and tried to keep him from leaving. Jesus, we see the power. We see that you're clairvoyant. We see that you're wonderful. And he said to them, I I'm sorry, I've got to leave this town, go to the next town. And he said to them, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. So Jesus continues to minister, and he's there to continue to spread the word. And I like this. You see Jesus' heart. His heart was to say, leave me alone. I just want to spend time with the Father. Now, for you and I, that's what we call our devotional life, where we can sit down there, have a cup of coffee in the morning, be alone and just be able to say, Lord, it's you and me. That, that recharges our batteries. That's what gives us the mind of Christ. As you can say, Lord, I want to see things through your eyes. Lord, I, I got the TV blaring all day. I've got kids in my face. I've got this thing going on and that thing happening. And sometimes as we get bombarded with input, it's so important to take a time of your life to sit down and just to be able to say, quiet, a deserted place, to be alone. And your alone time with God is what refreshes you, strengthens in you. And it's so powerful just to, just even to, you should read your Bible. You should have your daily devotional life of reading your Bible. And hopefully we all can read our Bible every year. You read three chapters of the Bible every day and in a year you can have the whole entire Bible read. Just do it, you know, devoutly. And, 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 and sometimes even that can become mechanical. It can become a process of just shooting through scriptures and trying to get things into our mind. And what you need to do sometimes is to be alone and to be without anything and to say, Lord, this is you and me. This is you and me time. I, I, need, to, I need to relax, let my hair down, and then I want you to speak to me. And as the Lord speaks to you, he fills us and he strengthens us. Absolutely critical. But please notice what Jesus is saying. He's saying, as much as I'd like to spend my life as a hermit and be all just God and I, I came to the world for a purpose. And there is a fight that I need to dive into. And I'm going to go into this world and I'm going to preach the kingdom of God. I'm going to show that there is a completely different way of operating. And that when the human being thinks, you know, the natural man thinks... He wants to think in the natural realm. 
and, and we think about business and bills and you know, all the things of the day. And, and then we think God operates on that same plane. That we struggle with things, therefore God doesn't like us, God loves us, God, we, we, we wrestle our whole mind to insanity. And Jesus says a time for that, but then there is a time to go in and to fight. And Jesus says, this is my time to go into the arena and to teach. And I'm not just staying here. I'm going to go everywhere I can. And I'm going to go into every synagogue. And I'm going to bounce every demon out the door. And I'm going to do all the things that I can because there are so many people that are living a life of just destruction. They believe the lies of the devil and think that they are some sick person that will never be healed. And when Jesus comes in, he wants to come in and says, it's my job to separate the people from the lies of the enemy so that man could be set free. And I like this. When Jesus comes into your life, we feel that he's going to have this big, dull axe and start to do open-heart surgery on us with a dull, rusty axe. No, when Jesus comes in and, and, and he comes into your life, he brings a scalpel like any surgeon and he carefully removes the things that are right from the things that are wrong and he separates the two. And we, he wants to come into your life and he wants to separate you from things that are destroying you and to liberate you so that you can be set free. And the tendency is for you and I that we believe like the demon. Do you want to destroy us? And if we associate ourselves with our demonic tendencies that are harassing us, then we will have a fear to come before God because then we will say, well, you want to destroy me, Jesus. You're against me. And Jesus goes, I'm never against you. You ever see those movies on TV, the old action flicks, you know, the cop at the end of the story is trying to, you know, sh you know shoot the bad guy and the bad guy runs into the mall or whatever, grabs the lady, you know, and puts his arm around her neck and his gun to her head and says, you know, you come at me, I'm going to blow this lady's heads off, you know what I mean? And of course, the hero cop always comes in, whatever the scenario is, and he's Johnny, you know, could hit anything with a, his pistol, you know, real quick. And, and, of course, he shoots the guy right in the head, and then the guy releases the lady, and then she's set free, right? And you go, yeah, right. <laughs> you know? What about the time the guy misses and hits the lady, right? That's what we think. But Jesus, Jesus, Jesus is able, through the, through the Word of God, to, and the Word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. It's able to split the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The, 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 the things that are there between the natural and the sub. And, and we look at this and we go, Jesus, he's looking right at us and he sees exactly the fine line problem in your life. And he's not coming at you with a dull axe and start butchering you to pieces. And we sometimes believe the lie. Jesus, if you come at me, you're going to hurt me. You're going to hurt us. You're gonna, if you take that demon down, that demon's part of me and I'm going to get hurt. And you go, no. When the demon goes down, you're free. And if Jesus sees the crack of that, the crack of that, he's going to take that shot. God the hunter is coming in to take that shot and to eliminate those things because he understands it. And he wants you just to understand, first and foremost, man, there, there's a, a lie that's being pitched to so many people. I have talked to person after person after person, and they are convinced that God will not work in their lives because their problem is them. How many times did you hear this story when you say, oh, Jesus walked in the synagogue and there was a demon there? And almost we always say, oh, that's kind of like me. I wouldn't want Jesus to come in here. I've got my demons. I've got my problems. I'm the one that's going to have some demon that's going to be screaming up there. 
How embarrassing. And we want to cover, we want to conceal, and that's just what the enemy wants you to do, to cover and conceal. And Jesus is trying to show us. He says, look, even if it's not something tomorrow, even if it's just something physical, even if things where they wear, God sees the, the whole you. He loves you. He came to set you free. He died on the cross so that you would have everlasting life. And what we have to do to have the fullness of life is to be separated from our sicknesses, our illnesses, our, our, our plagues and our demonic things. And, you know, sometimes if we would just be able to say, like the crazy Pentecostal, you know, hey, the demon of pornography be gone. Hey, the demon of alcoholism be gone. Hey, the demon of homosexuality be gone from me. And, and you know what? We just won't vocalize that. We just won't let go of that. We're going to sound like a crazy Pentecostal. And, and we go, we don't want to do that. And nor do I want to just run around and chase demons all day. I want to lift up the power of Christ and, and come before him. But People, we've got to be smart enough to know that God cares, loves, and wants to share with us. God, Jesus comes in, he wants to explain the kingdom principles to us. He wants us to see things that we're blind to in the natural. Paul tells us, he says the same thing, he says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. You hear that? A natural man. So if you're, if you're just bebop Johnny going through the world, chances are slim to none you're going to figure out you've got a demon on your back. You're blind to it. Paul tells us that, that the natural man, just any old guy, he says they do not receive the things of the Spirit of God for their foolishness to him, nor can he know them. He says, because they're spiritually discerned or spiritually appraised, they're spiritual things. And if you want to walk in the fullness of the freedom of the Spirit, check this out, you've got to have Christ. You've got to be born again. And when Christ comes into your life and you can cry the prayer that you have to say, Jesus set me free. I don't care what demon's on your back, you can pray that prayer. And you say, Jesus, come into my life and set me free. The Holy Spirit comes into you. And when the Holy Spirit comes into you, you will start to be able to have spiritual discernment. You will be able to see into the spiritual kingdom some things that are happening. You go, I didn't know that. I didn't know that was bothering me. I didn't see that. I was blind to that. And then he goes on, and this is 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He then says, but we have the mind of Christ. Did you hear that? We can have the mind of Christ to be able to discern certain spiritual things. So please listen to this. God wants to come into your life, change you, give you something, and you can understand these things. This is not weird oogity-boogity things. This is not Johnny Pentecostal and we're all going to run around and cast out demons. This is just being able to understand and to have a discernment and to see things so that what? So that you and I can finally start to make the right choices in our life because you and I are responsible for whether or not we allow that demon to destroy us, that illness, that, de that demon, whatever it is. And so if something's harassing me, get this, I'm still going to be held accountable. Devil doesn't make you do anything, people. He entices you to do things. You're the fool that follows. And you have an obligation and you will stand before the Lord on whether or not you allowed that demon to uh, suck you down into the pit or whether or not you're going to stand up and to say no more, no more. Jesus set me free. And as you stand before the Lord, you're going to have victory in Christ. Amen? Amen. All right. Stand and close in prayer. 
I don't know about that, but. Now you can run out the door. <laughs> uh, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you for your kingdom, Father. We pray that it would come upon us, Father, and that we would understand, discern the principles, Father, that set us free. Father, help us to know that you care about us. Father, if there's anyone here being chased by their demons, Father, I pray, Father, that they would stand on your word, separate themselves from it, and know that you are here to attack it. Father, we call upon Jesus, your Son, the Holy Spirit, Father, to do the things that we cannot do, and to know that you will destroy these things, Father, from us. Father, set us free, Father, from the things that have been ruining us. Help us to be your children. Help us to walk in the fullness that you have for us, Father. Thank you for Jesus teaching us these things. Father, we thank you, we praise you, and we give you all the glory, Father, in Jesus' name.